Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of At the Podium, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, we're going to hear from Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz in the moments after their dispiriting week one loss to the Washington football team, 27-17, and then we're going to hear from Doug Peterson's Zoom uh, news conference with reporters uh, the day after, after he'd had about 24 hours to ruminate and think about what the heck happened in the District of Columbia. So we'll get to all that stuff in just a few minutes with some important injury updates that Doug Peterson uh, lays out for us. Some, some Not some good news uh, with a couple of uh, defensive uh, players of, of importance uh, on the Eagles. And of course, uh, we all know the Eagles injury situation is pretty catastrophic this early in the year. So uh, Doug Peterson will get into all of that, talk about Carson Wentz's issues uh, in the game on Sunday as well. So that's coming up here in just a second. But before we do that, I wrote a piece for Bleeding Green Nation listing what I thought were the 10 things, 10 people, 10 issues most to blame for the Eagles come from ahead 27 to 17 loss to the Washington football team on Sunday. And I'll just go over the, the the top five with you. I'll run down the top 10, but I'll go a little bit more in depth with, say, the top three or so. I, I think the pandemic has something to do with it. I think the fact that the offensive coaching staff, Carson Wentz and the young receivers didn't get a chance to play in games at all, didn't really get a chance to, uh, to, to work on game situations because there were no preseason games. I know Carson Wentz probably wasn't going to play in any of the preseason games. So maybe this is Maybe this is a silly reason, but I just think with it being a weird offseason and no OTAs, there was a there was a lack. It seemed like there was a lack of cohesion with the Eagles. And I know that is something that every NFL team is dealing with. Still, I think it is a reason why Doug Peterson, with all these new offensive coaches and all these new offensive schemes and Carson Wentz being as erratic as he was and John Hightower, who didn't drop a pass in all of training camp. Remember, things escalate when you're playing a, an NFL game and you're trying to patch, catch a pass over the middle and you hear footsteps and you don't look that ball all the way in. It's a much different game. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside hearing great things about him in training camp. Again, invisible on game day. So I think the pandemic had something to do uh, with some struggles on Sunday. Certainly not by far the biggest thing to blame. Deshaun Jackson says he wasn't injured, but he's my number nine on my list. He only played in 54% of the offensive snaps yesterday. He says he wasn't injured. So was this part of the game plan? If so, it was a terrible idea. Get Deshaun Jackson on the field more. If his body gives out, his body gives out. His body's going to give out regardless. All right. You need Deshaun Jackson as your most experienced receiver on the field as much as possible. Stop diddling around here and get Deshaun Jackson on the football field. Jason Peters at left tackle came in at number eight with as much, with as many issues as the Eagles had on the right side of the offensive line with Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll making his, uh, his uh, NFL debut as a rookie. 
Um, you really needed Jason Peters in the left side of the offensive line to kind of hold down the fort, and that didn't happen. Chase Young made Jason Peters look ridiculous on a number of occasions. And, you know, when you're going to ask for more money to move over, move over to left tackle, you need your you need your future Hall of Fame left tackle to play a little bit better than he did on Sunday. Number seven is Zach Ertz. I'd love for Zach Ertz to get that contract extension, but I can understand why Howie Roseman is reluctant to do it, especially when you saw the day Dallas Goddard had eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. The Eagles can't afford to keep both of those guys at big cap numbers moving forward, and with all of the stuff with Ertz at the end of the week, he was pretty vocal about him saying that he didn't think the Eagles wanted him back, and there was a Philly Voice report detailed an airing of grievances between Ertz and Roseman at some point this week that was overheard by players. All that stuff, all that, all those different uh, things being talked about, you got to haul in that ball on fourth and three late in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just a bad look, as as many people have noted before me. Jalen Mills at strong safety. No one was expecting him to take over and be as good as Malcolm Jenkins, but uh, he made some big errors. Uh, didn't seem to know where he was on the field. or didn't know the defensive scheme at times, and that's not a new thing for Jalen Mills. I thought his play at the safety position was not helpful, especially to what I thought was number five on the list was the play of the linebackers. The, the play of Malcolm Jenkins has covered up for a lot of the linebackers' issues. The the Eagles just decided they didn't care about linebackers this year. They just didn't care. You can't just not care about an entire position group. And that's what the Eagles did. Jim Schwartz and Howie Roseman just decided they didn't care about linebackers. I may be in one of the last holdouts in thinking that linebackers are an important part of the defense. You gotta, those are guys that can make plays for you. When you have good linebackers, when you have linebackers who are athletic and can get to the football, they can make plays, they can generate turnovers. I just hate the fact that this team, year after year after year, ignores the linebacker position. And it's not like the other positions that you find important, you're exactly doing great at, defensive end and cornerback. It's not like you've exactly been been upper echelon in either of those positions over the last few years. So, again, Jalen Mills and linebackers at number six and number five, things most to blame for Sunday. Injuries at number four. And if you have this higher on your list, I wouldn't be able to blame you. For the second time in three years, the Eagles overhauled their medical and training staff, but it hasn't seemed to make a difference. So what is it? Is it the turf and in practice? Is Doug Peterson being too hard on his players? Is it? Is there too much of a pounding? Is there something in the water at Novacare Complex that gives players brittle bone disease? Like, what is going on here? It's not just old guys. Derek Barnett and Miles Sanders are day-to-day all throughout training camp, and they're still not there for week one. We come to find out Lane Johnson needed to have surgery. Just just found that out. What, what, what good does that do to hide that information? I just don't understand what's going on with all of the injuries, and it's nothing that anybody has any answers for, and it's frustrating. It's nothing you can do anything about. You can't wrap all these guys in bubble wrap. Football's a, football's a rough game, but the fact that these are all happening in practices and in training camp just drives you absolutely crazy. And, and the Eagles had, on the, especially on the offensive line, had a horrible time trying to replace... Lane Johnson at right tackle. Driscoll and Herbig did the best they could, and they might get better as the year goes on, but they didn't give Carson Wentz a chance on certain plays. Now, on to the top three, Howie Roseman. Number three, Howie Roseman. You know, kind of a bummer that the Eagles didn't have a second-round pick from this year's draft at their disposal on Sunday. It's really a shame that the Eagles' second-round pick from this year's draft was inactive, especially with two starting offensive linemen out and a third one playing a position he wasn't supposed to play this year. It's kind of a bummer. They came into the season having ignored the linebacker position and were forced to give Nate Gary 99% of the defensive snaps yesterday. 
You know, it's a shame that Derek Barnett and Javon Hargrave and Brandon Graham all had to leave with injuries. There was no Malcolm Jenkins to cover up mistakes. They had no linebackers on the field who seemed to know what they were doing. They had, you know, recent draft picks have all turned out to be big, big wastes. They wasted a fourth round pick on Jannard Avery. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was once again invisible yesterday. Andre Dillard looked like a huge question mark even before he got hurt. Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas are gone. Second and third round picks, gone. You know, injuries play a part in some of the holes on the roster. But a lack of successful drafts, that 2017 draft, is an, is absolutely abhorrent. And it's left the Birds' depth in woeful shape. This is Howie Roseman's roster, folks. And it wasn't good enough to beat the Washington football team on Sunday. Number two, Doug Peterson and the offensive coaching staff. I thought Ben Solak did a real good job talking about this on the Kiston Solak podcast, uh, the postgame podcast that they put out. Peterson and Scangarello did their players no favors by calling these long, developing play-action passes while the Eagles had no running threat without Miles Sanders and then Boston Scott going out. Why are you still calling play-action? Why are you still having Carson Wentz fake a handoff and turning his back on a defense when you've got an offensive line that was getting manhandled? Why are you doing that when he's constantly under siege and, for the record, when Carson Wentz isn't good at, at dealing with pressure to begin with? Look, we all wanted this offense to do different things in 2020. We all wanted them to, to utilize some of the stuff that Kyle Shanahan is using in San Francisco, and that involves a lot of play action, but you got to be able to run the ball. And when you don't have your top two running backs in the game, no one is loading the box to stop Corey Clement, all right? So when you can't run the ball, and your offensive line is a sieve, and the Washington pass rush, pass rush is eating all day long, you got to make adjustments. you got to get the ball out fast. You've got to get Carson Wentz in the shotgun. Don't have him turn his back, because Carson Wentz is awful under pressure. You can't do that with Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig on the right side. The, the, the offensive, the, the coaching staff did not give the players the best chance they could to succeed yet on Sunday. And it showed up in the second half when the offense went ice cold. And that takes us to number one. And it's Carson Wentz. Dude, this is year five. You're not a rookie. You're not recovering from an ACL anymore. You had a whole offseason to do nothing but work on getting better. You can't play like this, Carson. You can't have a game like this against a football team like Washington. Washington stinks. If they win four games this year, I'll be amazed. If they win another three games this season, I'll be shocked. They stink. Okay? There is you go up 17-0, and they looked it looked easy. It looked like an easy 17-0. And Carson Wentz was on fire. What happened? He throws an interception and then everything crumbles. That can't happen. I don't. I don't even care that the offense that, that the offensive game plan was pretty lousy after that. You can't put the ball on the ground like that. You can't take those sacks. You can't throw those picks. You can't hand Washington twenty points. Carson Wentz simply has to be better. This is year five. If you want to be considered a top ten quarterback, which I have called Carson Wentz over and over again, no bigger defender of Carson Wentz in the world than me which is probably why I am so mad at him because you, you can't play like that against Washington. It's year five, dude. It's year five. I have often said, I keep going back to that 2017 Carson Wentz run and saying that's the quarterback he is. Give him talent. Give him a good offensive system. He can be that guy again. Now, for the first time, I'm not so sure because of what I saw on Sunday. I saw a guy who's not getting better. 
He's still making the same rookie mistakes. He's still doing the same things. And until he has a coaching staff that's willing to get in his face and tell him to knock it off, until he has a quarterback's coach that's willing to challenge him like John Filippo used to do in 2017 when Wentz was at his best, he's not going to get any better. He's still going to keep doing the same stupid stuff. He's still going to try to play hero ball instead of just taking what the defense gives him, checking down, throwing the ball away, and avoiding the sack that way instead of trying to muscle a ball through defenders' arms and squeeze it out. Listen. You can still make a hero play occasionally, but you've got to know when to get rid of it. And and why were we not rolling Carson Wentz out? Why were we not letting him make plays on the run? Is Carson hurt? Because he was on the injury report during training camp. Is he hurt? Is Carson hurt? If he's hurt, we're hiding it again, which is what we were doing. We were hiding other Carson injuries a couple years ago. I don't get it. Just be upfront with what's going on. Let us know what's going on with Carson Wentz because it's pretty clear that Washington wasn't fooled by anything if you were trying to hide something. And Carson Wentz, at the bottom line is, dude, you got to be better in year five. You've got to be better. You can't, we can't have, this team is not going to sneak into the playoffs again if you go through another four or five week stretch where you're awful. You just can't have it. You can't have it in year five. If you're going to be a top tier quarterback in this league, and if we're going to have year, if it's going to be year after year of this, then the Eagles are right to, to, look at, to look at other options because it's not good enough. It is absolutely not good enough. So that is my number one person to blame for what happened on Sunday, Carson Wentz, although I think the coaching staff is a pretty close second there. Uh, And uh, as we get closer to the end of the week, I'm going to talk to somebody uh, who covers the Rams for another edition of Eye on the Enemy. That'll be coming up later in the week. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to hear from Doug Peterson. We're going to hear from Carson Wentz. We're going to hear from Doug Peterson with his day after news conference. So uh, check all that out coming up here on At the Podium. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now that you've seen the tape uh, and, and you've seen the game from Carson, especially the turnovers, what did you see from that? And are you still addressing that fine line of trying to extend plays versus maybe being a little bit safer? Yeah, after looking at the tape, um, it's it's kind of how I felt and what I saw, you know, um, live and in person yesterday in the game. We did, we we just we just missed. You know, we missed on the throw. The throw was, um, you know, came out of his hand after watching the tape, kind of slowing things down. It looked like it came out of his hand. Ball could have slipped a little bit, coming out of his hand. It was left inside, um, and um, you know, so. It's just it happens, right? Uh, those are those are things that are going to happen. Um, 
you know, especially especially when it's when it's warm and and you know, um, it, it just is part of the game, right? It's just gonna it's just gonna take place. As far as the aggressiveness goes, uh, I'm still gonna maintain the aggressiveness. I I, I look as I said this morning, um, a 17 to nothing lead or a 27 to 10 lead, you know, in any football game in this league is 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 not enough and and uh you have to continue to to maintain aggressiveness you you have to you know especially when you when you have momentum right and, you, and it's kind of on your side you got to use that to your advantage and you know my thinking at that time too was to to try to get points before half uh with the ball to start the third quarter we've done that many times here where where we've scored and then come out and scored touchdowns to start the third quarter so you know that's that's a lot of a lot of my mindset you know uh in in these games Go ahead, Jeff, and then Elliot. Uh, Doug, but but I, I guess John's question was about Carson's aggressiveness in terms of not of holding the ball too long and not throwing it away or not throwing it into the dirt. Uh, it seems like we've asked you this question every year, and you do point out that you want Carson to have that aggressiveness and that he does make big plays, but you also preach to him about you know living for the next play or the next series, and it seems like it's still not it's going on one ear and out the other. How do you address that with Carson and why isn't he hearing you? We still have to continue to, uh, to address him, you know, and to address, to address those issues. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's part of the football game. It's, you know, we just got to keep talking that it's okay to throw the ball away. It's okay to, you know, uh, dirt the ball on a screen pass or, or something of that nature. And, and, and look, it's, it's something that we just got to continue, uh, working through. Um, and, and, you know, it's, there is a fine line, obviously, as we know, uh, between the aggressiveness, but at the same time, we want to be smart. Go ahead, Elliot, and then Ruben. Hey, Doug. I was just curious why uh, Deshaun Jackson only played 54% of the snaps yesterday. Yeah, you know, he uh, – obviously, he's a big part of the offense, but at the same time, we want to make sure that he's – you know, he's a guy that's um, a healthy and fresh for us down down the long, long, long haul here. And um, I think each week, you know, I would anticipate his, his rep count to, to increase um, as we go. And, and um, you know, we're going to be smart with him, but uh, we also know that he's, uh, he's an explosive receiver for us and uh, we want to get him on the field as much as possible moving forward. Ruben and then Kristen. Hey Doug, um, like Jeff said uh, a second ago, you know, this is something we've asked you about for, for five years, probably about Carson holding the ball and trying to make a play in his competitiveness. Um, is it fixable? Is, is it something at this point that he can learn to do and, and, you know, be smarter with the ball in those situations? I, I do believe he can, he can, he can learn that. And I do believe that we can continue to coach it better. Um, you know, you're probably going, well, it's a broken record, but it's it's what we have to do. Um, we have to continue to discuss and continue to talk with him about it. And 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 look, if 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 he's holding the ball, there's a reason. There's a reason. Maybe we got to coach the routes better. Maybe I have to call a play better. I've got to put our team in a better situation. There's all types of scenarios and possibilities on every play. Um, and it's all about the communication that we have throughout the week. Go ahead, Kristen, and then Dave Singer. Hey, Doug, are there any moments when you look back at yesterday's game where you can maybe say, okay, this is because we didn't have that lack of preseason? Well, um, and that's a great question. You know, I, I think, you, you know, I, I went into that game going, you know, are we going to, how many, how many pre-snap penalties are we going to have? Are we going to be able to jump off sides? Are there going to be holding calls? You know, how, how, how's our execution going to be? 
You know, are the starters going to be able to hold up? There's all kinds of things without having preseason games. How are our young players going to play? There's all those things that kind of run, rush through my head without having preseason games, you know. And, and for the most part, uh, yesterday, you know, having three penalties, I thought we, we came out uh, from that that aspect of it pretty pretty good. The way we started the football game, I, I've talked a lot about this. Our football team starting fast. Defense got off the field. Offense goes down and, and, and scores. And those are things that uh, are positives that we take away from from this game uh, that we can build on. Um, but yeah, you know, when you don't have preseason games to truly evaluate where you are, it makes it a little more difficult. Dave and then Les. Hey Doug, how did Nate Herbig grade out at right guard, and is he the starter going forward at that position? I thought Nate did well. Um, wasn't wasn't perfect, uh, but for his for his first start. He he's a smart guy, and and he graded he graded well, um, and and um, you know as of right now as we as we move forward, you know we're going to continue to work him in there at right guard, and and uh, and and I think he'll get just more he'll get more and more comfortable, you know the more the more reps he gets in there, and and uh, uh, you know works with Kelsey more, and and um, you know so again it wasn't perfect, but uh, really really felt comfortable coming away with uh, his performance. Less and then Tim. Hi, Doug. Uh, speaking of aggressiveness and your role, do you factor in the other team at all? And the reason I ask that is Washington really didn't drive more than 48 yards on any of those uh, scores. Uh, they got the ball six times in their last nine possessions in your territory. Uh, if you had been a little less aggressive, could you, could you maybe have won the game? Uh, you know, uh, did you think about that when you were looking at the film? I guess you're asking me if I could have run the ball when we were up 17 to nothing the rest of the game. Yeah, that's being less aggressive. But um, listen, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what's what I feel is the best interest of the football team, and and we cannot turn the ball over. We cannot have eight sacks. We cannot put our defense on the short side of the field as an offense. We have to execute better on fourth down. We have we have a guy we have a guy open. We don't execute the protection. You know we drop a pass on another fourth down in the game. You know so there's all all kinds of things that we can we can point the finger at. I can do a better job uh, in, in, in with a couple of play calls. You know throughout the game, and those are all things that that we take away from from this first game. You know, and and we're probably sitting here asking different questions. But you know, look, it, this is a game where. Um, you, you have. I have to do what I feel is in the best interest of the football team. We we practice these situations all the time. Um, I do have to be smart. You know, game by game, you have to make smart decisions, and you got to trust. You know, uh, our players, um, trust our quarterback, trust our schemes. How how well is the defense playing? So I think there's there's all of that that factors into um, the aggressiveness factor, you know, for us. Go ahead, Tim, and then Zach. Doug, do you anticipate having Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson available to you this Sunday? And uh, if you could give us a status update on Vinny Curry. Yeah, I'll update you, uh, Vinny. Um, Vinny and, and Craig James both uh, significant injuries are going to miss miss some time uh, here in the next couple of weeks. So. Don't anticipate either one of those back um, on on Miles and Lane and some of the other guys. Derek Barnett. We're gonna we're gonna increase their practice time this week. We're gonna see as the week goes on, 
you know, where they are, and, and hopefully they'll be uh, available for the game on Sunday. But, again, it's kind of day, day by day with those guys. Go ahead, Zach, and then Bo. Hey, Doug, on the offensive line, these injuries weren't necessarily new injuries in, in, in terms of Lane Johnson, obviously Andre Dillard. And during training camp, most of the first-team snaps seemed to go to Pryor, Mayalata. When did you settle on Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig on the right side, and could they have used more time with the first team during the summer? Well, you know, first of all, it's unfortunate because, you know, you guys weren't able to, to be out there for the majority of training camp and, and, and to see how we were doing practice and who, who was getting the reps. And, and it wasn't really until we started the padded practice that you were able to see kind of what was going on. So these guys were getting, they were getting reps at different positions. So just to kind of clarify, they, these guys were getting, you know, Driscoll was getting right tackle reps. He was also getting guard reps. Mulata was getting, you know, both tackle left and right. Pryor was getting his work in there. You know, and as we go, we, we begin to see who kind of, uh, you know, is, is kind of having the, the hot hand, so to speak, you know, and playing, playing well. And then as we got into this past game week, um, you know, obviously we, we settled on Nate Herbig. And, and, of course, with Lane Johnson, you know, on game day being down with Jack Driscoll, and, and felt comfortable there because they were getting the reps during the week. Go ahead, Bo, and then Mike. Hey, Doug, as, um, you know, as Carson was sort of um, falling off there a little bit in the second half, not falling off, but, you know, not maybe looking himself, what was your communication like with him throughout that second half? How are you trying to get him to turn things around? We were just talking about the next series, the next set of plays. Um, he was asking me what I was thinking, and I was, I was, I was explaining to him exactly how we were going to attack and, and go back out and and uh, and and get the you know get get the get the offense moving again. You know it, it's just unfortunate in the second half that you know we shot ourselves in the foot on first down. I believe we were, I think we had thirteen times we were second down and seven plus, and then we were another eleven times we were third and seven plus in, in the entire game. And that's those are hard to overcome, and and you got to make sure you're doing well on first down. You've heard me say this before, and and we just didn't do that enough, but. He and I were, were talking in the second half and, and, and putting a plan together uh, prior to, uh, you know, the offense taking the field. Mike and then Jamie. Hey, Doug, I was wondering, did you have a conversation with Zach Ertz? It seems like he took that drop pretty personally. Is it, at, at some point, is there anything you can say to a veteran with that type of experience after a negative play like that? You know, things like that. I, I even go back to the Alshon drop, you know, in the postseason game a couple years ago. And, and, and listen, you just – it again. It you you hate to see it happen. Um, it's part of the game. These are veteran players, and and you just got to continue to encourage and continue to motivate. It's like, I, you know, I, I I equate it sometimes when a, when a quarterback throws an interception, the best thing to do is get right back out there and throw the ball again, right? And and so uh, for guys like that, it's uh, even though Zach was at the end of the game, you, you want to get back out there and throw him another pass somewhere, some somehow, so he can he can get that feel back, but. Just encourage him, you know. We got a lot of football left ahead of us, and uh, he's going to make more big plays for us than just that one that one play. We'll do a couple more, Jamie, Martin, and Daniel. Hey, coach. Um, you'll hear coaches say that you can kind of make the most adjustments between game one and game two, especially in a week of practice, because you learn the most from your team in game one, especially in your case without a preseason, not seeing uh, you know what you had on the on the field there. What did you learn about your team yesterday? that you can take into next week? I think a couple of things. One, you know, I've talked a lot about, and I mentioned this earlier about, about beginning and starting football games fast, right? And, and, and 
what I mean by that is obviously the, the 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 defense getting getting off the field early, offense scoring points early. That we that was an area that we kind of struggled in offensively last year, being able to score those first quarter points, and and that's something that we can we can build on. I, I think too. The other thing was you know we 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 pride ourselves on sort of a tempo style of offense, and and that was another aspect that we we actually probably the the most production we had was was in our tempo you know offense yesterday and that's another thing that we can look at special teams when you look at this this game yesterday special teams was with the addition of some of the young players uh that that we've that we've sort of uh you know interjected on our special teams you know you look at Rudy Ford yesterday and 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 his performance on on punt and and what he was able to do and be so disruptive those are all positives that we can take away from you know, from this game, I, I think you look at another one with Darius Slay, who who matched up with with Terry McLaurin yesterday. And you know, as we go each week, there's going to be that one receiver that uh, you know Slay is going to go up against, and and he did an outstanding job yesterday. Uh, so there's there's those little little things there that uh, can become big things uh, as we move along. You know, each and every week as we as we get ready for you know for our next opponent, Martin, and then Daniel. Hey, Doug, how would you assess the play of your um, rookie wide receivers? Uh, Jalen Rager obviously had that long 55-yard touch, um, not touchdown, but reception, and he seemed like he was open on, like, you know, at least another one. Um, how would you assess his play and also John H- Hightowers? You know, I thought both of them uh, were, were just were just okay. Um, you know, I, I think Jalen, Jalen, you can well, you can see the explosiveness, the speed with Jalen. Uh, being able to get behind the secondary, we just we just missed on uh, uh, on the one shot. You know, Carson overthrew him on the one post route, uh, but we're, they were able to connect. You know, on a, on another deep throw. Um, you know, it, listen, it's it's something that we have to continue to uh, you know practice. We've got to we've got to spend time with these guys again. It goes back to you know possibly missing preseason time, preseason games with these guys and. You know, there, there's a game speed and there's a there's a there's a practice speed, and so we've got to continue to coach our young players up on on game speed and what it's like, and and they're they're going to look at this film and and they're going to make the necessary corrections, and uh, it was good for them obviously to play and and uh, do the things they did so they can get better moving forward. Go ahead, Daniel. Hey, Doug. Uh, you guys in Washington uh, went out onto the field together for lift every voice and sing, uh, and then. You guys stayed in the locker room during the national anthem. Uh, what, I guess, was the mechanics of those two gestures coming together? And what was the communication like for you with the players leading up to that? Yeah, you know, we were on the field for pregame and, and obviously with the, the with the beginning of the of the of the, um, you know, regular season opening weekend. Um, I know our players were in communication with with their players and, and we um, I'd actually reached out to, to Coach Rivera, you know, uh, during the week and 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 you know let him know you know sort of our intention and and he gave me his intention and um and then the players the players communicated everything else amongst themselves and and uh I thought everything came off uh came off uh you know really really well it was it was a really good moment on the field with with both teams um being able to not only be together with them like that but to to see the video to 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 you know, listen to the national anthem and, and, uh, you know, uh, to, to see sort of that environment was, was pretty special. Hey Doug, how's Brandon Graham? Are you just throwing questions out now or what? Can't hurt, right? How's he doing? He, he's in the protocol. <laughs> <laughs>